Hi, I'm Facundo Lugones, and you're listening to the Functional Tennis Podcast. Welcome to the Functional Tennis Podcast. I'm your host, Fabio Molle, and every week I speak to people working at the highest level of tennis, from players to coaches to trainers and more. Today I speak to Facundo Lugones, the long-term coach of Cam Nori. Facundo first met Cam while he attended university in Texas. When Cam left university, Facundo started to work full-time with him as a coach. He tells us all about his own tennis career and then quickly moving into coaching with Cam. We chat about life on the road, what makes Cam special, the semi-final match at Wimbledon this year against Novak and more. If you do enjoy this episode, make sure to check out our other great episodes with ATP and WTA tour coaches such as Marion Vider, Gorni Venisevic, Diego Maiana, Louis Kaye, Pieter Serposki, Gary Cattle and last week's guest Dave O'Hare. And there's plenty more also. You'll find these at our podcast homepage at functionaltennis.com forward slash podcast. Finally, before we get started, a shout out to our podcast sponsors, Slinger, who make the awesome portable ball machine, the Slinger Bag. You won't find a better portable ball machine in the market. If you have any questions about it, feel free to reach out to me as I'm an avid user, or you can head over to slingerbag.com to get all the info. Okay, here's Facundo. Hi, Facundo. Welcome to the Functional Tennis Podcast. How are you? All good, all good. Thanks for having me, Fabio. Oh, it's awesome to have you on. Now, you've had a, a busy few weeks, which we'll talk about in a while, but right now, where are you? I'm home in Barcelona. Uh, yeah, after a long four weeks in, in the UK, uh, I got some time off, but uh, yeah, really, really happy with the way things went. Yeah, I can't wait to hear about that whole, the past few weeks, obviously the past few years, because Cam's rise has been pretty epic, like to get where he is. And first of all, are you fr- you're from Argentina. Yeah, I'm from Argentina. I went to college a couple of years ago and then I kind of moved to Europe. So it's, yeah, I left Argentina 10 years ago. So 10 years was when you would have started college. Would that be right? Exactly. Yeah. And you were a good junior, like top five, top six in Argentina? Uh, well, my age in Argentina, it was, there were pretty good players. The top five guys were like top 10 ITF. And then behind those guys, you had Schwarzman and Kicker and Mena, who are now, well, obviously, the first two, you know them, and men as like 120, 130. So it was a pretty good age group. And I was, I was probably like nine or 10 on that, on that, on that age. Okay. And specifically from your age group, do we know anybody, anybody still on the tour? Yeah. Diego Schwarzman, Nicolas Kicker, uh, Facundo Mena, Renzo Olivo, who always, always uh, also was 200. Uh, yeah. A lot, a lot of good players. Actually, the best of, of them when we were young didn't make it to 200. And the kind of the second group, some of them made it. It's pretty interesting. It always happens, doesn't it? Some of the top juniors don't make it. Renzo, though, is a great guy. My first trip to Wimbledon with Functional Tennis a few years ago, I was with him. And just as he, think, broke top 100, and then it sort of spiraled the other way for him. But he seems to be back now, back on it. And Yeah, yeah he's right on track again, playing really well. Great. So, so you earned Argentina, and then you went to Texas Christian University. You got a good scholarship there. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, David Orditi, the coach. At the time and still today, it recruited me. And yeah, I went there. The program wasn't very good. When I got there the first two, three years, they were just rebuilding it. And then obviously when Cam and other players, Guillermo Nunez and Rybakov came, then they became a top program. And it's been top 10 for the last seven years, I would say, something like that. 
Wow. And so you were there a few years before Cam arrived. Yeah. Yeah. I was there three years before Cam got there. So my last year was Cam's first year. And what was the impression of Cam when he arrived? Just a normal guy, really nice to everyone, very social, and but extremely competitive, like next level competitive at everything, not just tennis. He wanted to, needed to be competing all day at everything, different games and whatever it is. And he's like that or even more today. So yeah, that was the, the main thing, just super competitive. And would you have ever thought back then he'd get to where he is right now looking at his game? It's just so hard to predict that. But when you, obviously at the time when you, when I just met him, you don't know that he's that competitive and that mentally tough and, and that smart and everything. So it's, it's tough to make a call like that. But when he was, after his first year, you, you, you knew he had a chance of being a really good tennis player, top 100. And then from there, you don't know how, mm. how well it can go. To say he would have been top 10, maybe it was too much. Uh, no, I, never, I never thought he was going to be top 10 when I first met him. Then after the years went on, yeah, why not? But at the time, no. And so you you did a year with him, and what did you decide to do then after you finished in Texas? Well, yeah, so I finished tennis, and I still have to finish my degree, so I had another year left in school, but I couldn't play anymore on the team. So they basically asked me, since I had a big scholarship, to help the team, help the coaches. So I did one year as a volunteer coach. Then I finished my degree, and then I stayed another year around the area working in tennis and helping the team kind of part-time. And yeah, when I was going back to Argentina, Cam was turning pro and he offered me to start traveling with him for the summer first. And then we, we stayed together till today. Wow. Uh, yeah. So you just, you guys got on well. You're quite young for a male coach. Yeah. Yeah. We, we always had a great relationship. We were really, really good friends when we were playing. And then he started on tour. I felt like he needed someone that knew him very well, but also he could spend a lot of time together and the Traveling at, at that level is, is is not easy. You know, you have to go to a lot of different places. It's not like you can come back home all the time. And it was going to be a, a tough couple of months for him. And uh, he needed someone that he could trust and someone that he could get along great. So the transition to uh, living an unreal life in college to like the grind of the challengers and all that make that transition a little bit easier for him. And luckily, he was, he was super quick. He went through challengers and like, Six months, so it was... Wow. Did you ever think about going pro yourself, giving it a go? No, when I, when I was young, I, I thought about it. I didn't really have a clue what, what that actually meant. But uh, as soon as I realized that my level wasn't wasn't that great, my, my physicality, my body wouldn't like really handle playing a lot of weeks in a row. I would get hurt a lot. But mainly my, my, level, my level wasn't there. And uh, yeah, I just went to college and I realized, okay, if I'm not dominating college tennis, I'm, I'm not going to have a shot at professional tennis. So I knew early on that I wasn't going to be a pro tennis player. And has there, has there been any college lads who've actually surprised on the tour by not being successful in college, but doing well on the tour? I don't know if any. Yeah, maybe. yeah. Dominic Kopfer and uh, Maxine Cressy. Both of them, I was in college at the same time as Kopfer. And yeah, he was good, obviously, among the top 20 but he was never someone that I thought he's going to be unbelievable and he's having a wonderful career and same with Cressy I think Cressy barely made a lineup at UCLA and then now he's a top 50 player and he's going to keep going up so yeah those two guys you definitely don't see Cressy on a fast court on your draw in your draw yeah yeah you don't want to see that guy on fast courts that's for sure so you start working with Cam where did you pick up your coaching tips from you, obviously you learned on the fly 
Yeah, I, I guess I always had really good coaches my whole life. So I was that shows you I was not a great tennis player. <laughs> but uh, my coach, my uncle played tennis. He was top 50 and he coached me when I was young and he teaches tennis really well. My parents were tennis coaches. And then before going to college, I was in a really good academy in Argentina where both coaches were on the tour with top players. And they, Mariana Wanachesi and Mariana Hood, and they taught me a lot. And then at TCU with Roditi and Devin Bowen, also great coaches. So I've always been around really, really good coaches. And I always I always like that side of it. And I always look up to my coaches as role models or people that were really important in my life. So I always look up to people that coach. But, uh, and then I kind of started trying to learn. I enjoyed it and it kind of became my passion. But it's not something that when I was young, I was thinking I was going to be a coach. Something that kind of happened. I think most tennis players, when they're young, think I'm never going to be a coach. I'm never. Going to <laughs> so, so how's the journey been? So you've been with Cam five years on the road now. What's been the secret to your success? Obviously, long-term relationships are always great to see when you see a player and a coach and a fitness trainer and having a team like that. What's been the secret to your, first of all, long-term relationship and two, success? Thing for long-term relationship with him, a uh, lot of good communication, a lot of respect to each other always knowing uh, our goals and try to push each other to, to get there. Uh, I think we also, we, we build a really good team together. We, we pick the right people to join the team, like Julian, the, the physio, and Bacek, the fitness trainer. Then also uh, we had great people kind of helping us, Devin Bowen and James Rodman from the LTA, kind of guiding us and always, and also enjoying it, you know, and, and making sacrifices on each side to, to the greater good of his career and obviously my career but uh yeah kind of leaving everything else aside and just going all in but also kind of enjoying that that journey and with a lot of respect and a lot of fun and a lot of uh professionalism as well so i feel like all those are uh, really important to keep a good long-term relationship and also be successful like you talk about sacrifice, we always hear about sacrifice for players and they have to be fully committed. And I think you mentioned somewhere that that's where Sutton changed for Cam, where he became more fully committed. Is that true? Yeah, I mean, he's been making sacrifices since he was 16 when he moved from New Zealand to the UK and then went to college. And then, you know, he always been making really good decisions to make it on tennis. With, and then a lot of them have a price, you know, not seeing your family, living away from home. I took him to Argentina once for like five weeks to train and at the time was the best for him, but obviously it's not easy for him to say, okay, let's go there. He was so uncomfortable and then look, this precision, we have to make it in Spain because we, there's really good players there and we need to get better. And always started making decisions just for his tennis, you know, not, not for his own comfort or for his own happiness. So I think when that started changing and he realized to, to go to the top or to keep getting better. There was no uh, balance on his life and he needed to do more and just put tennis as a priority. And I think he always did that in his life, but the last two, three years was to another level, like really, really making all decisions based on his tennis. So yeah, I think that's one of the keys why he started going up. I think a lot of players, and you probably see this a lot more than me, forget that it has to be your life, it has to be your more than your nine to five. You've got to show up every day. There's too many, I don't know what the word is, too many people think it's a bit of a vacation and then they wonder why they don't make it. Exactly, yeah. It's, it's way more than nine to five. It's just it's just all day, every day. Come, I, don't, I don't think he's taking now his first holiday in 
probably two years and it's like a four day holiday. <laughs> That's kind of the, the, the price you, you, you pay for to do well or to at least try to be better or see how far you can go. It doesn't mean you're going to get results, but at least you, you put in everything on the table and just going for it. And what about, sorry, we, we jumped into the camp, but sacrifices, we talk about all the players, but as a coach, like for you to invest, you're investing in Cam, you're investing your time, your energy, and you're putting a lot of things aside. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's pretty similar. You know, you kind of put everything else aside. You, you never get to go home and you see your family once a year, especially because they live in Argentina. For European players, maybe it's, it's easier, but for South, all the South American players go through the same. You know, they have to lose three, four month trip and there's no going home after you lose. It's just you have to stay on the road and you kind of get, get more tired than, than other players quicker, but it's, it's the way it is. And, you have to you have to make the sacrifices and see to see how far you can go. But uh, but at the end of the day, it's your own decision. No one's forcing you to do it. But True. if if you want to do well, you're just gonna kind of have to be reinvested and and yeah, you're gonna have to miss a lot of things just to to be able to to do what's best for your, for your tennis or your career. But I think that with a lot of jobs, if you want to do really well, you're gonna have to pass on a lot of things that normal people do. True. There's, no matter you're right. No matter what you do, there's sacrifice if you want to be successful, and you got to say no to the things you may want to do. Exactly. What do you miss most from back home in Argentina? I know you've been away for ten years. Yeah. What's the one thing that you wish you could have? Uh, it's just playing football with my friends, just on the weekends. Uh, have that play with on with my friends' team and go to dinner with them, or seeing my family more often. It's like I said, I, I'm I'm choosing this. It's not that I'm forced to do it. So. I also really enjoy what I do, so it's not like I'm complaining. But yeah, if I could play football more often with my friends, it would be, it would be great. Great. Do you see yourself like long term, I don't know, many years away, moving back to Argentina or would you base yourself in Europe 15 years from now? I would love to move back at some point and maybe even coach there. Or, But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not thinking too far ahead, but uh, yeah, I'm, op- I'm open to, to moving back. I, I would love to spend more time there for sure. And apart from missing home, what are challenges are there for coaches, top coaches like yourself working with players? Well, yeah, it's also when, if you work with top, usually top players, they're very demanding and they want you there almost all the time and traveling. If you don't live in the same place as the players, it's become tough to have like a normal life outside of tennis. But like I said before, it comes with a job or you either move where the player lives and to have more normal life and don't travel so much but yeah i would say the availability and like having a normal life outside of tennis it's that's the the toughest challenge but i'm sure most coaches they love what they do and that's why they do it otherwise it could be teaching tennis in in a country club in their city and not travel and just have a normal life there this podcast is brought to you by ASICS Tennis. ASICS is a Japanese company founded in 1949 with the purpose of giving more people the opportunity to experience how sport and movement can have a positive impact on mental well-being. They just launched their most innovative tennis range ever. Get the new Cord FF3 Novak or Gel Resolution 9 at ASICS.com. ASICS Tennis have also just launched their new Cord FF3 Novak, the only tennis shoe designed with Novak Djokovic input. To learn more about ASICS, visit their website www.asics.com. 
But did you convince? I know you're based out of Spain now. We're in Barcelona. You said, is it? Yeah. Did, did you convince Cam to move to Barcelona, or was he there already? No, 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 no. Cam doesn't live. No, Cam uh, was living in London and in Monaco now. And then before we spent a lot of time in Texas. We we never really had a like a official base. Okay. We were always the first couple of years we were in Texas. Then he moved to London, spending a lot some time there. It's not like he spent a lot of time because he plays so much and. And then we'll do the pre-seasons in IMG in the States. Then we did some in Spain, but not in Barcelona. So it's felt like we were both kind of moving a lot. No, no, I never offered him to come live in Barcelona. I, uh, for some reason, I thought Cam was a bit based out of Spain. I don't know why I thought that. No, no, no. no. He, he moved places way too many times. I'm not going to do that to him again. Uh, as a coach, as I say, I think I was saying this to you earlier, that I had an interview with a coach yesterday, Dave O'Hare, and I wanted to bring this up. I forgot, but how do you guys, obviously the, the player Cam is fit as hell. Uh, I want to bring that up as well. But how do you as a coach keep healthy and fit? It's not, not tough at all. I mean, you, you go to the tournaments, you have the best gyms in the world, the best locker rooms. And if you're a little hurt, there's pieces that can help you. There's definitely time. It's, obviously, there's no, it's not a routine. You don't know when you're going to have free time during the day, but you can wake up early and get it done or at the end of the day. But you're not really nice hotels, really nice clubs, and there's everything is there to, for you to do it. It's just there's no excuses there to stay fit. Really nice hotels and the nicer terms have nice food as well. So I'm sure that's good a food. Yeah, the tough part sometimes is the good. The food is that good, and you have that many options that it's tough to make good yeah. uh, choices. But you, this is no, it's no excuses to say. If your player's making good choices, that will help you make good choices as well. Yeah, I know. Yeah. And the, the coach should be helping the player make good choices by making good choices. And uh, speaking of uh, fitness, and uh, there was the article in the paper there a while ago where we talked, it was brought up in the match as well, where Cam Norrie's heartbeat, he trains for like five, six, seven minutes to 200 beats per minute, which is pretty crazy. Like That would put people into car- a lot of people into cardiac arrest, those sort of figures. But is he just a physical beast? Yeah, yeah he always had that. Uh, growing up, he used to do a lot of long-distance running with his mom. So he always had an unbelievable engine. And, and yeah, th- that thing with the, with the heart rate was during like two years ago during, uh, when they played those Battle of the Bricks and they were using the catapult devices and it was showing that he stayed in that red zone for like six or seven minutes. And uh, yeah, it's something that he always had. He still work on it a little bit, but not that much because naturally he has an unbelievable engine. And yeah, when you can do that, then you can improve the rest and, and take people to us to to the trenches yeah I, nobody wants to go to the trenches with him because the guy doesn't stop what's the hardest drill you do in practice the one that if you want to put pain into cam's lungs and legs what's the killer drill a lot of movement not nothing too complicated very simple it's just a lot of repetitions two-on-ones or one-on-ones and um yeah we do we do a lot of fin- fitness and tennis combined on court we try to do it once a week and uh, yeah, where there's like a lot of cardio and the, during the rest, he's, he's trying to execute and, and keep shots when, he, when he's tired. Those are tough. Like, so basically tennis and fitness combined and there's a lot of suffering there. Do you ever hit him with him? No, no, I'm just feeding the boss. No, no, yeah. no. My heart rate stays the same there. No, no. Yeah, I, I thought you might take him in the odd tie break. <laughs> no, not anymore. Before we used to play a lot of baseline <laughs> games and some slice games and... It was pretty even, but the last two, three years, it's just, no, 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 not even close anymore. 
You don't bother. I love it. And what's the plan there? We're just after Wimbledon. You're on your little few-day vacation. What's the plan moving forward? We're going to be training in, in uh, Monte Carlo for like two weeks. We, there's a lot of players there, so we're going to go do a training block there, and then we go straight to Los Cabos, Montreal, Cincinnati. We take a week off, and then US Open. Okay. So that's kind of the plan for the next couple of weeks. And the plan is win the US Open. Yeah, I think that's everyone's plan. Yeah. All 128 players that are playing are going to try to win it. But And it, it must be crazy, like, how the goals have changed over the years. Like, when you started working with Cam, what was the was the initial goal? Like, let's get to top 100 as quick as possible. No, we, we, we never set goals like that. To be honest, never, we never had ranking goals. We was always, what do we need to do better to improve and to win more matches? And then... If we take care of those things, I think your, your ranking or your, your turn, the tournaments are going to come and the ranking is going to go up. We let that take care of itself. But we always go by like basically tennis goals, like what, what, what do you need to do better, what, what level you need to be playing or your focus or your fitness and kind of attack those things and, and then let the, let the wins uh, take you there. But we never had ranking goals. Was it last year where Cam played Schwartzman early on in the US Open? Was that two years ago? No, two years ago, yeah. The year. was, what were you like in the... That was an epic five-setter, wasn't it? That was a... That, that, yeah, what? yeah, that, that was a crazy match. That, that was, wasn't even that fun. They were both playing pretty bad, very nervous. Uh, looked like Diego was going to win that easy and then Cam turning around and then the set again, Diego had it. But uh, yeah, it was, it was a roller coaster that match. But... Uh, yeah, that's why I love the five sets. You have time to, to come back. And what's been for you the most exciting match that you've been on the sideline? Or maybe the, the proudest match for Cam to win for you as a coach? Mm, well, obviously, the, the Indian Wells title was, is huge. The way he handled that situation and that, that match. Then the other day with Gofan as well. That match was, was crazy because mm. Gofan yeah. looked the better player for the most. For the most part, but then Cam obviously played better than big points and ended up getting a huge win for his career. Um, I don't know. I like obviously when he gets through those finals playing good tennis, like in Del Rey or Lyon. Those were also really, really proud moments because playing your best tennis in those matches is is it's not easy to do. And then when when he gets to those big matches and can produce his best level, it's, it's uh, obviously the nicest thing to see for a coach. You seem to like the grind matches, the one where he just finds a way and, and figures it out and eventually gets it over the line. Exactly, yeah. And for this last match I'll talk about, the Djokovic match at Wimbledon. What would you do differently if you had the opportunity again tomorrow? I think on that match, Cam was doing everything right. Everything would, we were planning and Novak looked really uncomfortable at the beginning. And then I think Cam dropped his focus for one game, played one loose game that changes the whole match. I uh, felt like the momentum shift way too quick for the way things were going. And then I felt like if something tactically should have done better, maybe finishing points a little bit more, more determined there and more, a little bit more committed. I felt like he started doubting there and Novak started making him play a few more shots per point and then, yeah, that was, that was kind of the, the difference. The thing that changed the match around, then Novak played unbelievable stuff really well and then the kind of the match went away too quick that end of the second and beginning of the third but but i thought it was a lot of huge learning experience i mean for cam and for me and from the whole team 
but it was also it was also nice to see that he compared to last time he played Nova, he was he was way closer and did a lot of things right. Oh, what's it like for the players going out there playing Novak? Who you know he two sets down, and he's only getting started. Like you still think Novak, people, he's still going to win. Like it must be so tough for for all the guys playing against them mentally. Yeah, I, mean, I guess Novak earned it through the years, you know, doing that over and over again. And I think that's that, that's good though because he's going to force players to become uh, smarter, work harder figure out ways to, to beat him and obviously he players have done it on the, in the past so it's not impossible it's just it's just tougher but I think that it's motivating knowing that you have guys like this and if you want to win slam you're gonna have to beat them in those matches and that's I think that's that's really really fun yeah no, that's a good point between him right between Djokovic Federer and Nadal they have helped raise everybody else's game which is good Exactly, and and if you want to win a slam, you probably want to do it beating one of them. So it's, it's it's good that they're still around and playing like that. I'd say there's no better feeling for the other guys to beat them. Uh, you know, it, it's amazing. But I'm going to this with one question for Kondo. Uh, what's your advice for players out there who are on their journey to want to be a top hundred player? What have you learned from your years working with cam that could make a big difference to these players out there well like we said before just put tennis ahead of everything else know that there's going to be no balance in your life for 10-15 years attack the job every single day and the other advice i would try to give them would be try to put a good team around you invest in yourself invest in a good team and try to do things the most professional way you can oh i know it's not easy but I feel like the more you invest and the more attention to detail and the more the better people around you have, the better chance you can have to make it. Wise words, wise words. Thank you very much. Best of luck in the in the what you could say the US swing. And yeah, we'll we'll see you out there. Thank you, Fabio. Appreciate it, man. Really hope you enjoyed that episode. And if you did, please share it with fellow tennis enthusiasts and also don't forget to check out our other episodes with ATP and WTA tour coaches, which you'll find on our website at functionaltennis.com forward slash podcast, or you can just enter them into our search bar. Until next week, goodbye.